If you're looking for a happy place, you have found it. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and welcome. I am your host, J.R. Houston. We are so grateful that no matter where you are listening in the world, you are making us a part of your day, a part of your week. So, so thankful. We're also grateful for our partners, Live Happy Magazine. Their latest issue is available on newsstands now. You can also find the digital edition in the Apple Store and on the Google Play Store. Very excited about that. And our other partner, Life Reimagined, and their website, lifereimagined.org slash happy. They are chock full of all kinds of resources and processes for you to go through that will help you reach your peak happiness. And that's our goal, after all, here at Live Happy and at Life Reimagined. They say, as you awaken to the power of happiness, so do your dreams. So what's next? Find out more at LifeReimagined.org. We're very excited to bring you this particular edition of Live Happy Now because October is National Bullying Prevention Month. And if you think back over the course of your life, you've probably encountered bullying in some form or another. Maybe you yourself were bullied or maybe you yourself were someone who did some bullying. Either way, it's important to know that now progress is is being made. And if you've seen our latest edition of Live Happy Magazine, you saw a fantastic article written by our section editor, Chris Libby, really a fantastic series of articles that deal with the subject of bullying. And we're excited to be joined by Chris Libby right now. Very happy to have you here. And uh, first of all, how did you get interested in in this this uh, particular article that you wrote? Thanks for having me. It was a long walk. Yeah, you were just like right down the hall. I know it, you had to practically hire a Sherpa to get here, but we appreciate the fact that you're here with us. <laughs> um, this actually started for me with Jalen. When I was working at a newspaper a few years before I worked here at Live Happy, I was sent his story. And uh, as I read through it, I just thought it was fascinating. Then he was like six or seven. He was on a national bus tour. He was a victim of bullying because he had Tourette's. And then he... Hmm. He and his mother and his family, they started this national campaign against bullying. And it was getting all kinds of attention. Actors, actresses like Anne Hathaway, Ellen, he made it to the Ellen Show. Wow. And so when I came here, I kind of put that in a back burner because I couldn't use it at the newspaper. But then when I started delving into the material at Live Happy, it was positive psychology. And uh, we started learning different things about character strengths like resilience so i started getting into that and i first wanted to just use it as a short piece maybe an inspired piece on the uh, back page but then i started talking more with deborah our editorial director and she thought it would make a, a really big piece and yeah so, so i got nervous about that but i jumped in <laughs> and so yeah and i started digging in and that's when i i recalled jalen and he kind of started the whole ball rolling. It's it's really interesting. You mentioned how it was going to be a short piece, and then it turns there. There are so many layers to this story, I think. And we're going to hear from uh, some people who have done some deep research on it, people who are doing deep research on the prevention of it. I mean, really, once it gets rolling and once you kind of get your head around it, it's it it's really the type of thing that you can really pick up the ball and run and find out more and figure out what you can do and figure out ways that you can you can affect people uh, positively young people positively in your own community. And that was one of the issues, and I was a little apprehensive at first because it's such a broad topic. Yeah. It's, it's so big. And if I tell just a small story about Jalen, that that's a nice little package and you can get your point across. But now when we try to tackle it this way, I didn't know how I was going to do that. And things just started to fall in place, like Asia, who, um, who had written a book, a 14-year-old mm-hmm. who's now like 16, but she had written a book that got picked up 
by Scholastic. She self-published it, and then 30 days later, Scholastic picked it up, and it was this huge anti-bullying book. That was just landed on my desk. It just happened to land on my desk. And, and for those that don't know, Scholastic, I mean, that, that, that particular publisher, they're in, like, all the schools yeah. everywhere and have been for a long time. I, yeah, I believe they're the largest educational publisher in the country. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I started putting more pieces together. I, I had heard about Alejandro and the work he was doing with positive education. It got rolling from there. I mean, you, you, we're going to hear from Jalen. We're going to hear from uh, Alejandro Adler. We're going to hear from uh, Deborah Temkin. A- another story, and we, we tried. We really tried to uh, to hear from him. We're not going to be able to, um, unfortunately, because the NBA season is coming up. Everything gets crazy for the players. But Charlie Villanueva, who plays uh, for the Dallas Mavericks, he's been around the league for a while. He suffers from a very rare condition. Uh, I only know of two people that I've ever met in my life that deal with this condition, but it left him without any hair anywhere on his body. Mm-hmm. And it, it it affects the way he looks. You know he suffers from this. And he had to deal with some bullying because of that as an adult. I mean, here's this NBA star. He's one of the more popular players on the Dallas Mavericks, and he's dealing with bullying. What did you learn from him? His story was, was pretty inspirational, I thought, because he fed off of that. He used mm-hmm. that as his strength to get better. To do, I mean, he realized that he was bitter about it because it happened when he was a uh, preteen or a teenager. Mm-hmm. And then he finally realized this is the way it is. I can't change this. So he just used his strength from there. And he, because he was just a towering figure, nobody physically bullied him. Right, but right. He, um, you know, he on the court he would hear things. Even to this day, he says he still hears things from on the court from fans or whatever. Not fans of his but opposing right. or something well we know charlie is is doing fantastic work he's he's helping all kinds of people uh with his message uh, that that is anti-bullying and uh, uh people that uh, suffer from the same condition as him it's fantastic chris thanks so much for joining us we turn now to a really a panel of experts in the area of bullying prevention you heard about jalen arnold just a few minutes ago he's going to be joining us jalen of course is 15 years old and has been sharing his story for the past seven years in classrooms as he travels the country trying to stop bullying. We'll hear more about his story coming up in a few moments. We've also got Deborah Temkin on the panel. She's a program director of the Education Research Area, where she focused on the intersections between education and healthy social and emotional development. She led the Federal Initiative on Bullying Prevention at the U.S. Department of Education and was recognized as a finalist for the 2012 Call to Service Medal of the Samuel J. Hyman Service of American Medals. Also joining us today is Alejandro Adler is a Ph.D. candidate in positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. He's got his uh, bachelor's degree in psychology, another one in economics, and a master's degree in psychology, all from the University of Pennsylvania. And he's doing work all across the world in the area of well-being and bullying prevention. Very glad to have all of you here today. I want to begin with Jalen. His story really resonates with a lot of people because I think it's really relatable. Jalen, how did all of this really start for you? Jalen's challenge began when I had went through bullying a few years ago due to my Tourette's syndrome. And the kids would mock me, they would make fun of me, they would do anything to make me feel inferior. And basically, when my mom took me out of that environment of when I was being bullied, I felt like I was leaving behind the kids that were also getting bullied with me. And then I thought about the kids in schools all over the world and the millions that are also getting bullied worse than even I was. 
And so that called me out to create the Ohms Challenge. And now we go to schools and we give them presentations to educate them on bullying and all kinds of disorders to help kids not be bullied. Wow, that is an incredible way to really uh, turn that adversity into positivity. I want to turn to uh, Deborah Tenkin now because, Deborah, you've been dealing with bullying for a long part of your life. For those that have read the article, you you were bullied yourself, and you've also turned this into a positive thing by researching bullying and figuring out ways to prevent it. But the problem is a lot of people have different definitions of what bullying can be. So as someone who has researched this and had this as a part of their life for a very long time. Can, can you di- give us a, a definitive definition of bullying? Absolutely. The definition of bullying is one of those issues that is really um, challenging all of the efforts that are really designed to help prevent it. Because, as you said, people disagree on what the definition is. Um, there have been several efforts lately to try to you know, come to a uniform definition of bullying, one of which... I was involved in when I was at the Department of Education um, in collaboration with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which brought together a panel of researchers and practitioners to really try to come to some consensus. And the definition that we came up with there um, really surrounded three things. One, that it's aggressive behavior, so behavior that's meant to cause harm or hurt to someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, That it's repeated or has the potential to be repeated over time. And what that means is if the targeted person is scared that something's going to happen again, it's still considered bullying, even if that second or third incident hasn't happened yet. And third, that there's some sort of power imbalance between the person who is bullying and the person who is the target of that bullying. Um, and that power imbalance can look uh, like a number of things. It could be physical size, which I think it tends to be what we tend to think of as a power imbalance. But it also things like popularity, um, having information on someone, um, or even something as mundane as um, you know, having a majority uh, characteristic in a school. So, for instance, if you are, have brown hair and everyone else around you has blonde hair, that's going to set you up to have the power and balance. Yeah, it can be any different uh, number of things. Alejandro Adler is part of our uh, panel as well. And Alejandro, I want to talk to you about this because so many times when we're dealing with a problem, we kind of treat the symptoms when really if we want to eradicate a problem, we need to understand what the underlying root cause is. So to you, what is the root of bullying behavior? I mean, I mean, what causes people to, to act out like this towards uh, others that are around them? Bullying is often misunderstood. It's often misunderstood as people trying to establish uh, themselves um, in a position of power, establish a hierarchy with others. Mm-hmm. Bullying really is an, extener, an, an external manifestation, uh, a symptom of people having inner turmoil, whether that's in the form of, of uh, social, um, emotional, uh, psychological deficiencies, insecurities of different sorts, uh, unhealthy domestic um, environments. Mm -hmm. But essentially, people who bully are people who are internally not in uh, mental 
social, emotional, healthy place. Well, I think that's very true. I think back to times where I uh, could have been considered a bully, and that was certainly uh, a factor that played into it. But I also think that that Deborah makes a good point uh, in saying that, that that there is trying to establish a position of power because that power can maybe make you feel uh, better about some of your inner turmoil. Uh, Jalen, as you go around the country, you, you deal with kids that have have uh, been bullied. You deal with kids that uh, are being bullies. What do you like to tell the kids uh, that you speak to when you're when you're out and about in the country? Well, first, we like to explain what Tourette syndrome is and like why I was born with it. Well, there isn't any reason, but that it's not contagious, of course. So they don't have to be scared of that. And and then we also explain autism and just all the different kinds of disorders that kids will have. And then we like to give them basically my story of what I just just said about how I was bullied in school and how I was taking out of it. But then we created Jim's Challenge to help kids understand bullying. And we like to tell them that they may not realize it at first, but their words have such a big impact on kids and on other people. And so that's why we like to stop it now early, because I feel like if we can come together early on in life, it won't be a problem later. That's a good point. But now, Jalen, you and I both know, you know, especially as we're getting into that middle school, high school kind of time frame, right, right where you are now, kids don't necessarily like to tell their parents everything that's going on, whether it be good or whether it be bad. In a bad case, they could be dealing with some serious bullying and they're just not telling their parents. So what are some things that, that parents should really be looking out for if their children uh, might be being bullied? A lot of kids will not go and tell their parents because they are too scared, just like I was. And so there are many, many different kind of signs that your kid is being bullied, whether it's your change in eating habits, your grades, or they can even, like, fake being sick. I know that's a very popular one that is on TV and in real life. A lot of people see it when kids pretend to be sick just to avoid going to school. Yeah, that's for sure. And it makes sense. I mean, kids don't want to be around that bullying behavior. That's one of the very negative effects that bullying can have on a kid. But Alejandro, I want to ask you, what are some of the other effects that we see uh, that, that kids who are being bullied are going to have to deal with? Well, the short-term effects, of course, are, you know, it, it has a, a very direct negative effect on self-esteem, on uh, people's sense of self-worth, the medium-term effects, it, it, I mean, in, in extreme cases, it really does interfere with people going through a normal uh, developmental trajectory, particularly during early adolescence. So um, establishing a sense of identity, a sense of who they are, what their values are, what their worldviews are, and you can imagine that in the long run, if you don't establish these very natural uh, foundations of who you are as a human being, it really does have uh, many downstream uh, repercussions where adults are navigating the world not really knowing what they stand for, what they believe in. Uh, they see the world as a threatening place rather than a safe place. They see the world as... Um, uh, as a non-interesting place. Um, and so often uh, people who either fall uh, into um, depression, 
anxiety, sometimes who over, you know, who abuse different uh, drugs, whether it's alcohol or illegal drugs, you can often trace that back to them being bullied during late childhood and early adolescence and never going through that process of really solidifying who they are as, as human beings and having the social emotional skills to navigate the world uh, in a healthy and, and, and proper way. Now, we talk about the effects of those that are being bullied, but it seems to me that there, I mean, there's really not a lot of good that can come from being a bully. Are, are there any negative effects of being the person who is the bully that are that are more than just the short term? That, that, are there some long term effects to it, too? Sure. So um, it's I mean, and during and, and, and a number of longitudinal studies show that both the bullied and the bullier uh, suffer negatively from the violent interaction, right? So, um, I mean, this might be something that you've heard before that hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. So, um, people who bully, as I was saying before, are hurting others, right? And, and that means they themselves are hurting in one way or another. And again, it's symptomatic of something much deeper that is unresolved within them. And if you go on through your life being uh, bullying, and not only bullying, but other people celebrating and it being quote-unquote cool uh, to bully, then you never directly address these issues. So often it's both the bullied and the bulliers who deviate from what we would call a healthy, productive life trajectory and end up in similar situations of uh, substance abuse, of future violent behavior, right? Um, that mm-hmm. They learn that when they encounter problems, especially any kind of social problems, violence is the easiest and most effective uh, and, and most effective solution. So often people who end up uh, committing criminal behavior are people who, you know, early on were uh, bullying. So, so, I mean, when you bully and it's not only not uh, nixed or, or uh, you know, addressed at the, at the root cause, but rather applauded socially uh, and, and, and admired, you know, um, by, by peers, then it becomes a tool to deal with uh, social issues uh, that people encounter. So, so both the person who bullies and the person who is a victim of bullying end up having, on average, negative uh, life outcomes. Very interesting. So obviously, we want to eradicate bullying, right? We want to we want to do better by the people who are being bullied. We obviously now know that we need to do better by the people who are bullying. But we want to make this a quick fix. It's human nature to want to get this fixed quickly. And so a lot of times the solution is a zero tolerance policy. And Deborah Temkin, you're telling people that really doesn't work. Why, why doesn't that work? I mean, and, and, and what would you say is, is something that we can do to, to overcome these problems? In the 1990s, we, we had a very similar issue around drug use and drug prevention with kids. Um, and that's really when uh, the whole Just Say No to Drugs campaign was really at its high point. 
And what we actually saw in the research is that type of messaging of just say no actually increased drug use to some extent. And it's the same thing with bullying. The problem is that we're not giving the kids the skills to actually um, combat the benefits that drug use, or in this case bullying, are providing. We actually know bullies tend to be um, fairly central in their social networks. And what that lucky term means um, is basically the kids who are bullying others tend to be more popular with their peers. Mm-hmm. And so they're getting some benefit, and we need to figure out, well, how do we actually shift that dynamic and shift the norms? And just telling a kid not to do something is not going to convince them to not pursue that benefit that they might get. So that's really what we have to focus on. And in order to actually shift those social norms, we need to work with a school to improve their school climate, make sure that all the kids have um, an opportunity to be leaders, feel supported, be engaged in school, have positive relationships with their teachers and their peers, um, and and work just generally so that all kids feel like they're um, positively engaged in their school. Um, And that's really what's going to drive preventing bullying as opposed to just simply telling kids not to do it. It sounds like you're kind of agreeing with the the premise that we sort of established earlier that we need to take a look at the root cause of bullying, right? You're saying we need to uh, find out what's motivating motivating these bullies, and and then how do we, how do we combat those things? Absolutely, you know the kids who bully are not simply doing it because they don't know any better. Um, a lot of times, kids one don't realize what they're doing is bullying. They think, oh, well, you know, I'm just doing what everyone else is doing. I'm just trying to fit in and, and survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and two, you know, there's a lot of different reasons that kids are bullying, whether it's um, that they're having something going on at home by someone else, whether, you know, a parent or um, other kids, and so they're acting out on that. Or it really is something along the lines of them just trying to fit in. Uh and so really looking for those underlying reasons and helping address those is going to be critical to preventing bullying. You know, that that's something you just mentioned there that really is kind of hitting home. Because in my personal experience, the times that, that I would uh, say that I had bullied someone was because uh, I felt a need to fit in. Alejandro, do you agree with this, that, that those that are bullying are often uh, those that, that have been bullied themselves? Sure. So, I mean, if you see this as a sort of causal chain, you know, if if somebody picks on you, then you feel hurt, you feel insecure, you feel um, in one way or another that your self-worth is being threatened or jeopardized. And so, as I said before, once you're in this internal uh, pain of of, of different sorts, you manifest it by, by hurting others via bullying right so 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 bullying really is a form of, of violence whether it's uh physical bullying verbal bullying but really um in general and more generally i mean psychology has established that in the i mean other than the rare occasions of people with very particular psychopathologies in the grand majority of the population violence is a result of unresolved inner insecurities, troubles, and hmm. essentially lack of psychological, emotional, um, and social nourishment. 
Very interesting. I, you know, Deborah, we, we talk about this and we, I think when we're listening to this, we're thinking, man, I really don't want my kids to be bullied and I, and I want to eradicate this somehow and I, and I want to prevent bullies. But a lot of people also, I think, are having the reaction, well, I don't want my kid to be the one that's being the bully, that's causing the problems. How do we prevent our kids from becoming bullies? Sure. And again, we, we never want to see our kids as doing something that is bad or mean. We, we want to see our kids in the best light. So sometimes we can't necessarily see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really important for us to um, take a step back and really understand the situation to help address with our kids um, why their behavior might be interpreted as bullying and what they could do alternatively uh, to really help uh, solve the situation that they're in. Now, Child Trends, um, the organization that I work for, just recently did a literature review um, looking at actually bullying in early childhood and, and what the precursors to bullying are um, as the perpetrators and, and also the victims. Um, and we found who bullied later in life and, and later childhood tend to have been exposed to more maltreatment, um, tend to have less involved parents than kids who don't bully later on. And so parents should really take a look and, and try to better their relationships with their kids, first and foremost, and also look at their own behaviors. We know that kids are often going to mimic what their parents are doing. So if kids are seeing us gossip um, to our friends about mm-hmm. other people, they're going to mock that. They're going to think that's okay. The same thing is if they see us treating the people around us poorly, they're going to do the same thing. So we need to make a conscious effort to make sure that we're thinking the waitress at the restaurant we're going to. I'm really taking um, great care to what uh, Dr. Weisberg at the Harvard Graduate School of Education calls the circle of concern, making sure everyone's in that circle of concern, not just those who are the closest to us. You know, I think a lot of the uh, hesitancy to try to tackle the bullying issue head on is some folks think, well, kids are going to be kids and they're going to do things and they're going to say things because they're kids. And while that's true, there are things we can do about it. Has that attitude of the, well, kids are just going to be kids thing improved in the last 10 to 15 years? Well, what are you seeing? Do you have hope for this? I definitely think that the attitudes are, are changing. We've seen a lot of shift, um, starting from about 1999. Um, and in 1999, that's when the um, shootings at Columbine High School happened. Mm. Um, now, you know, there's been debate about the role of bullying um, in leading towards those um, that massacre. Um, but that's really what started the national conversation. Um, and you started seeing states um, pass laws really requiring schools to take action around this behavior, um, starting in 1999. Um, a renewed emphasis happened again in 2010 when we saw a series of youth suicides. Now, I, I have to point out that, you know, with both school shootings and with youth suicide, bullying is, we, we don't say that bullying causes suicide, but it's definitely a factor in a lot of these things, and it really uh, jump-started the country to talk about these issues. Um, now we're seeing lots of campaigns, lots of people talking about, you know, how do we stop bullying and really trying to make it such that the bullying rates are going down. Um, and we've actually seen the statistics start to drop. Um, we can't really say whether or not that decline is going to continue. We only have one year of data that shows a decline. So 
2011, the statistics from the U.S. Department of Education showed 28% of kids um, in grades 6 to 12 being, reporting being bullied. And in 2013, that number dropped to 21.5%. So we've seen some drop, um, and hopefully that continues. But um, the important thing is there's a lot more conversation about this behavior. That's for sure. There, there's definitely a lot more that, that can be said and can be found. And you're talking about numbers here in the United States, and that's very good. But this is not just a United States problem. This is something that's, that's happening all over the world. And, and Alejandro, you're, you're doing things all across the world. I mean, where have you been? What what kind of things are you doing? And, and what results are you seeing uh, worldwide with, with the bullying issue? I mean, we're doing work um, essentially all over the work or all over the world. Uh, if anything, the grand majority of our uh, and energy is spent in, in, in non-U.S. programs. Hmm. So everywhere from, you know, the tiny Himalayan kingdom of Bhutan, which is a tiny country between China and India, which where they measure gross national happiness instead of gross domestic product, um, that's actually where we started working on an alternative approach to education, just because it really did provide the most enabling social, cultural conditions to see if this could actually work. And even in Bhutan, you see bullying, right? I mean, and 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 Bhutan is very much a Buddhist country where respect for the other is a fundamental value, social value. It's part of the DNA of, uh, of the country's culture. And even then you see adolescents being adolescents. I mean, I think really it's human nature, right? To use different kinds of tools to establish uh, social hierarchies. And uh, we've also done uh, work in, in Nepal, in India, in the Philippines, in um, some places in, 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 in Latin America, in Mexico, Chile, Peru. And over and over again, we've seen that the only sustainable way of getting rid of bullying, or at least minimizing it in a truly significant way, is to inform, to educate um, the whole school community about the true source of bullying. So rather than punishing or having only punishment, especially a zero tolerance policy, which we've seen uh, a, a non-significant effect on, on bullying, it's really educating adolescents what the real source of bullying is and that is what we've seen consistently, independent of culture, socioeconomic status, uh, and other factors really work. That's fascinating. Do, do you think that, that schools are doing enough uh, in terms of, of educating folks? I mean, you're seeing it all around the world, right? The current educational paradigm is that we should, through literacy, numeracy, and academic preparation, prepare children to do well on standardized exams because, in theory, that ensures that they will eventually do well professionally. Mm. But the, you know, edu quote-unquote education of the 21st century not only gives students academic skills, but gives them life skills, skills to not only do well academically, but to live well, to live a psychologically filling a nourishing, a meaningful 
life. And the resistance we often encounter everywhere from school teachers, principals, public policy officials is we can't afford to divert resources away from academics towards this social emotional development of, of uh, children and adolescents. And luckily what we've seen is, is that giving students these skills for life and enhancing well-being and on the other hand academic achievement not only are they not mutually exclusive they're mutually reinforcing so by investing in children and adolescents socio-emotional development you're actually enhancing their academic performance so in short happier healthier students do better academically as well so it's not a trade-off, but rather, uh, I mean, they, they mutually reinforce each other. So you're not giving up anything by investing in, um, in our youth's uh, mental and physical health. That's that's a fantastic thought, that and it, it makes the mission of Live Happy Magazine easier. We we appreciate your thoughts on that, and Deborah Temkin, we appreciate your thoughts as well. And Jalen, you know, we 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 feel like we kind of got to, down a rabbit hole discussion there uh, with our other experts, and and you've been sitting there so patiently. What, what's next for you? I mean, you've been doing these tours, and you're helping kids all over the country. Uh, what are your what are your future plans, my friend? Yes, we have a, a lot of exciting things. We've talked to Disney Channel, and we're having a NYC tour, actually, up to New York. Oh, cool. And we're going to hit a bunch of schools there and talk to so many kids. And it's just going to be really fun because we, we I can't wait. I think that um, the amount of kids that we're going to be talking to is around... 15,000. Wow, 15,000. That is, that is incredible. Good for you. Uh, and we didn't, we didn't even begin to scratch the surface of the wonderful things that Jalen's Challenge has to offer folks. If, if they want more information, is there a place they can go to, to, to find out more? Our website is www.jalenschallenge.org and you can come on there and our contact information and facts and statistics about bullying so it's a great way to get involved absolutely it is and uh, Jalen, we want to thank you for being a part of things here today it's fantastic that you were able to join us and help to spread more awareness on the issue of bullying here in national bowling prevention month I want to thank all of our guests I want to thank you for being a part of things and if you want to find out more about any of our guests whether it be Jalen or alejandro idler or uh, deborah temkin you can go to our website you can also get some free downloads there livehappy.com slash stop bullying as we try to spread that message for everybody's well-being now and into the future. We also want to hear from you, things that maybe spoke to you from this particular podcast or things you want to share with us that we can maybe even use in a future podcast. There are many ways you can do it. You can find us on Twitter at Live Happy. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Live Happy on Instagram at My Live Happy or you can even send us an email podcast at Live happy.com doesn't matter we just want to hear your thoughts it's a fantastic fantastic opportunity for you to spread happiness and we are glad that you do so so for all of our guests here this afternoon alejandro adler deborah temkin jalen arnold chris libby i'm jr houston saying so long thank you and remember to always live happy